Welcome to Radio 5G, where we sort fact from fiction, conspiracy from falsehood, reality from the unknown. And by doing so, we change the collective consciousness of humanity. A production of CosmicReality.com Welcome to Radio 5G Other Voices. This is a pre-recorded show to air on October 25th, 2023. Today is dedicated to Billy Carson. In a previous show, we had a clip where Billy was discussing the secrets of Christianity. In this first hour, it's a full part of his Masterclass series titled The Master of Destiny. In it, he unlocks the secrets of the heart-brain connection to manifestation techniques. Here we are, guys. The, the actual thing we've, we've been all waiting on, which is the Imagination Workshop. So without further ado, let's get into the presentation. Well, some of you may know that I teach the mystery schools, and I've done the mystery school at Dame Dash Studios now. I actually did uh, two mystery schools at Dame Dash Studios, in California, in Burbank, California. Each class was 12 hours long. There's a third school which was done. We had some issue with corrupt video data, which is being fixed and repaired. And the part that isn't repairable, I'm gonna have to redo and upload it again so that people can get access to it. However, um, nevertheless, there's now a total of three mystery schools, which is, which is 36 hours of teaching in the Egyptian mysteries. Now, the reason why I'm bringing that up is because a lot of what we're talking about today has to do with what was in some of those classes and some of those ancient Egyptian or Kemetic mystery teachings, the Hermetic principles, the Kemetic principles, whatever you want to call them. They're all incorporated and built into this actual presentation. So it's, um, it's something that um, you know, you're going to find out while I'm talking is that even though it sounds like modern science, it really is going way back into antiquity. And these are the fundamental teachings of ancient history now brought into the modern idiom to allow us to access, analyze, study, research, develop, and learn, and understand that quantum mechanics and quantum physics go hand in hand with spirituality and multidimensionality. So all, the, all four of those things come together to form this 5D consciousness. Okay, so that, you know, because you have those four things and then you have the avatar body, which is linked to the universal consciousness. And then you combine all four together with the universal consciousness inside the avatar. You have a 5D consciousness. And that's what we're going to be tapping into and learning how to tap into as well. Okay. We're going to start with brain heart coherence. Um, I really do think it's really important to understand uh, physiology, your physiology, how to control it. Because a lot of the things that you're going to need to apply to create manifestations, to create Merkaba, uh, you know, star tetrahedrons uh, that, you can, that you can get into and get into deep meditations with and so forth, um, you're going to need to be able to control your physiology, control your thoughts, control your reaction to things. You can have to control your triggers as well. So we're going to talk a lot about brain-heart coherence for a little bit, and we're going to go into it, and I'm going to give you some techniques and tips that you can actually use in your, in your life right now to uh, take advantage of these brain-heart coherence techniques. Brain-heart communication. 
the brain and the heart literally communicate with each other. You have two brains, really. One is your heart and one is your brain. The coherence hypothesis states that the coherent flow of information within and between the physiological systems and processes in the central and autonomic uh, nervous systems and the body plays an important role in determining the quality of the feelings and emotion one experiences. You understand this. So basically what's happening is the connection between your brain and your heart and the flow of energy in between and the exterior input you're getting from the outside can cause different kind of reactions and pressures and perceptions that cause the brain and heart reaction to change your physiology. You could experience something that puts you into a fear mode, which is a flight mode. You could experience something on the outside that then comes into you and brings you into a love mode or peace mode, an empathetic mode. All of these have to do with brain-heart coherence. And what people don't realize, it seems like um, an automatic response to what's going on around you, like the way that you respond, your emotions, and how you react to things. But a true adept initiate, a true master, will be able to control all emotion. You remember Spock from Star Trek, the Vulcan? You see the Vulcans had, a, had a, um, excelled to a, extremely high, a, a very extremely high-level civilization and extremely intelligent beings that were capable of doing many things in many different uh, galaxies and in many different um, uh, planetary systems. They could be science officers on any planet. They could be a, science, a, a, a commander or a captain on any starship because they control their emotions and they lead with logic. Now, you don't have to be as stoic as a Vulcan, <laughs> but what I'm saying is it's very important to understand how to control your emotional output. And when you can do that, you can harness that emotional energy and you can, you can actually alchemically convert it into things that need to be taken care of or direct it in a way that benefits you better. The ability to alter one's emotional responses is the central to is essential. I'm sorry, uh, to central to overall well-being and meeting demands of life. One of the chief symptoms of the events of such trauma that overwhelm our capacities uh, to successfully handle and adapt to them is a shift in our internal baseline reference, such as there ensues a rep, uh, repetitive activation of the traumatic event. Uh, so we like to repetitively go over things that were traumatic to us. We live with them over and over and over in our mind. We have to stop doing that. The past is the past, and you only experience the past as a memory because you are literally uh, creating that memory in your mind. You're, you're, you're uploading that information back to the front of your mind again. It had already been stored in, a, in, a, in a, another location in your brain, and you keep reliving it, and you're reliving it over and over. That is causing a lot of trauma conscious trauma. This can result in high vigilance over sensitivity to environmental signals, which are reflected in inappropriate emotional responses and autonomic nervous system dynamics. In this article, we discuss the perspective that one's ability to self-regulate the quality of feeling and emotion of one's moment-to-moment -moment experience is ultimately tied, intimately tied to our physiology and the reciprocal interactions among physiological, cognitive, and emotional systems. So what we're talking about here is the way that we're responding to exterior input, uh, if, we're, if, not, if left unchecked, will cause us to be able, cause us to lose control of our physiology and go into depression, anger, frustration, fear, 
all these things that bring down our immune systems, bring down our consciousness, bring down our frequencies. And this is a, by the way, guys, what I'm reading to you is peer-reviewed science because some of you know that I like to include real peer-reviewed science with what I'm talking about so it's not just me talking off the top of my head. That what I'm bringing to you is backed by people, not just one, but many people and peers have reviewed it and a lot of this stuff is made into scientific journals. So this is real stuff, real information. So these interactions form the basis of information processing networks in which communication between systems occurs through the generation of transmission of rhythms and patterns of activity. Again, remember, brain-heart coherence. Interactions, it's a network. Your body is an actual internet. All your cells, all your atoms inside of your body, all of your different uh, organs, all this stuff is a multiverse. And the multiverse is on this net. And, the, and, and it's all communicating. Heart's communicating with the brain. The heart and, and the brain are communicating with uh, endocrine systems and everything else and glands. It's a very sophisticated system, okay? Very, very sophisticated. Uh, so these interactions form the basis of information processing networks, communication between systems, which occurs through the generation of transmission of rhythms and patterns of activity. Our discussion emphasizes the communication pathways between the heart and the brain, as well as how these are related to cognitive and emotional function and self-regulatory capacity. Okay, this is what we're talking about. How can you control this? How can you regulate this? We discussed the hypothesis that self-induced positive emotions increase the coherence in bodily processes. So your ability to self-induce positive affirmations, positive thinking, seeing the good in a negative situation, instead of taking an L in a bad situation as a loss, take it as a learning lesson, okay? And reprogramming yourself in those ways will get you into a better heart-brain coherence frequency, giving you the ability to not only conquer the situation or the problem, but take you to the next level consciously uh, and also be able to then even share and spread that knowledge with others and walk in a positive vibration always so that you can continue to control your reality tunnel and don't let these blindsided things and issues destroy your inner peace. This, would, this is what we're talking about here. The shift in the heart rhythm, uh, in turn, plays an important role in facilitating higher cognitive functions. Okay, so this is important. So the heart and the brain, when the heart frequency drops, it affects your, the way you can think. This is why when you're uh, in a situation where you're in a relationship, for example, and somebody breaks your heart, you, 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 know, you become depressed, you, you can't eat, you stay at home, you can't go to work, you, you know, all these things you see in movies and shows or whatever really happens to people, and it's because of that brain-heart coherence thing. It's, 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 um, it's what's happening. It's, the heart is turning off the brain, literally. That's really what's happening. Over time, this establishes a new inner baseline reference and a type of implicit memory that organizes perception. So the longer you go through these types of, um, allow yourself to go through these types of emotional swings and allow yourself to have these type of disruptive brain-heart coherence network situations without you having any positive input or reprogramming of it to resynchronize the right frequency, you're actually putting yourself in a position to, uh, to suffer from this on an ongoing basis, suffer from these things that you shouldn't even be able to suffer from. You shouldn't even have a worry about these things, but you're suffering from them because You've been disconnected from your true power on the inside to reprogram yourself and fix the issues and problems with the brain-heart coherence and go and move it to a higher vibrational frequency so that you can move back into 
uh, the law of attraction, move back into abundance and everything else. We can't allow the low frequency mindsets to destroy uh, all the work that we've been doing to get positive and stay positive by allowing uh, these low frequencies and this, this sorrow to seep in and then to relive over and over again. Without establishing a new baseline reference, people are at risk of getting stuck. So without establishing a new baseline reference, in other words, a new baseline reference is when you literally say, okay, um, this situation just happened to me. Let me learn from it. Let me take the positive out of it. Okay, great. I've got that now. I've got, I've got a good understanding of that. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to speak positive. I can handle the situation. I'm going to excel past the situation. My life flows abundantly. Abundance is going to come to me. Solutions for this situation are going to come to me. Solutions will find me. I don't have to find them. I'm going to, I'm going to move in positivity. I'm going to move in unconditional love. I am a powerful being. I am phenomenal. I am great. I am good at what I do. I'm getting goosebumps just saying that right now. So I'm, getting, I'm literally getting goosebumps, guys, while I'm saying this because I truly believe it. And that's how you have to say it. You have to vocalize it verbally, out loud, creating cymatic frequencies coming out of your throat, which we're going to talk about today, that go out into the ether of space-time and alter future realities in the third dimension. When people say, what do you do for them? And they ask me all the time. I say, well, you know, I, uh, I create ripples in space-time that alter future realities in the third dimension. How do I do that? Because I vocalize positivity. I impart wisdom, knowledge, understanding. I am be- and I'm imbued in, in, with power and, and, and understanding and divine knowledge and wisdom. And I walk in that power and that grace. And when I walk, doors fly open. So that's the mindset that I'm walking with. And when I walk like that, I feel like I'm a superhuman. I'm a super. I'm a superhero. I'm a multidimensional superhero. And I start of a human avatar body. And that's the mindset that you have to operate and walk with. And if you don't, then you fall into this mundane cycle with this very low frequency, poor heart brain coherence that puts you into a mode of suffering. Uh, so, you know, this is what we're talking about. This is amazing stuff. I hope you guys are really understanding what, what I'm telling you here. Uh, I'm going to read that line again. Without establishing a new baseline reference, people are at risk of getting stuck in a familiar yet unhealthy emotional and behavioral pattern, living their lives through the automatic filters that past familiar or traumatic experiences give you, okay? The scientific truth behind affirmations, proof that DNA is programmed by words. Very big part of what we're teaching today. I'm spending a lot of time on it because I got to hammer it home in a way that, you know, we're all going to understand, you know, what's really going on here. I think it's really important to understand that Words are really cymatic frequencies and vibrations. That's all words are. Right now, you're deciphering vibrations that are starting in my vocal cords. Well, they start off as an electromagnetic wave in my brain, and then that electromagnetic wave sends a signal to muscles in my vocal cords, which then vibrate at a specific frequency, and that frequency then leaves out of my, in this particular situation, leaves out of my mouth, it then travels into this microphone, and this microphone then sends it down a cord into a computer. The computer then wirelessly converts it into invisible streams of data and sends it to a router. That router then takes that vibration and transmits it down a pipeline of data to a hub. That hub then transmits that into uh, a satellite uh, dish, which then sends it into space, 
It goes to a satellite in space. Then my frequency travels back down to Earth in another region of the planet and split into multiple frequencies, just like human consciousness is split from one source, but still connected. And then it travels down uh, a cell phone uh, tower. It travels down another data pipeline. It moves up different streams of uh, data processing into whatever device you're looking at and watching. And then it goes into a speaker with a magnet, which then has another oscillation vibration. That's what speakers do. And it replicates the vibration that I started here uh, on this end. And then your ear picks that vibration up and little things inside of your ear jiggle. And then those jiggles get sent to your brain. And then your brain says, oh, okay, I can decipher this information. Thanks for the data. This is what he's trying to say. That's the process. All from cymatic frequencies emanating from your throat. That's how powerful this stuff is. That's how powerful this is. Cymatic frequencies are powerful. That's why you have to speak things into existence. You can't, you can think them. Thinking is good too. But when you speak, this is what Thoth talks about in my book, The Compendium of the Animal Tablets. Vocalizing, speaking into existence. He actually has a list of different frequencies that you're supposed to speak when you get into a bad situation. And these frequencies are affirmations of somatic frequencies. They're not names of people. Some people thought that they were names of people, but they're actually not. They're not names of people. These are frequencies that you're emanating and you're, you're, you're vocalizing. And those frequencies, backed by conscious intent and thought, change your reality tone. Okay? Spiritual teachers have known for millennial that our body is programmable by language, words, and thought. This has now been scientifically proven and explained. Human DNA and consciousness act like a biological internet, it seems. This is from a science magazine, okay? <clears throat> Real science. Let's go over some. Recent scientific research carried out in Russia can now explain a phenomena such as the clairvoyance, intuition, spontaneous and remote acts of healing, self-healing, affirmation techniques, unusual light auras around people, namely spiritual masters, like rainbow light bodies, for example, and how people can use mind power to influence weather patterns and much more. Yes, you can change the weather. Individually or even collectively, you can alter weather patterns. That's the power that has been scientifically proven inside the human avatar body through the use of consciousness and, 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 um, and vocal aff affirmations. Back in the old days, now when you read some of these books about witchcraft and things like that, you would call it casting spells. What these witches were doing and these wizards were doing, they understood cymatic frequencies. And they knew, how to, they knew the power behind it, and they knew how to use, utilize those cymatic uh, frequencies to create the reality and outcome that they were looking for. The research also, also shows that there is evidence for a whole new type of medicine in which DNA can be influenced and reprogrammed by words and frequencies without cutting out and replacing single genes. <laughs> Guys, I don't know if you hear me, but this is amazing. The research also shows <clears throat> that there is evidence for a whole new type of medicine in which DNA can be influenced and reprogrammed. What I started off talking about at the beginning of this workshop, reprogramming, programming, we're in programming code, understanding how to reprogram this code. You can reprogram your DNA without cutting out and replacing single genes. So how does this happen? Only 10% of our DNA is used for building proteins like muscle, skin, and organs. 
It is the subset of DNA that is of interest to Western researchers and is being examined and categorized right now. <clears throat> so they understand this. Modern science is now figuring out that the human body is a walking, reprogrammable avatar robot that harbors a consciousness from a soul that is linked to divine consciousness on the exterior up there somewhere in another dimension. And that um, the avatar body is inhabited by this consciousness, this sentient consciousness, and reanimated. This body wouldn't move, it wouldn't get up, it wouldn't do anything if my light vessel, my light being weren't in it. And then when my light, be, my light body inhabits it, it plugs into nodes that are built into the avatar body that allow me to then utilize that strength, that power, that wisdom, that understanding, that divine spark to then alter uh, the reality that, I, that, I'm, that I'm a part of here in this third dimension. Junk DNA is not junk. <clears throat> the Anunnaki, uh, they didn't create mankind. This is the, one of the biggest things that gets passed around. Oh, the Anunnaki made us. No, they didn't make you. Um, the Anunnaki didn't make you, okay? The Anunnaki uh, were here working on this planet, mining this planet for resources, strip mining this planet for resources, and other planets as well in the solar system, well documented according to the ancient tablets. The Enuma Elish and the Seven Tablets of Creation talk about this extensively, and they existed and were translated long before Zechariah's Hitchin was even born. I love Zechariah, but to overcome the Zechariah debunking statements that these people run around with without doing any research, Zechariah Sitchin didn't, didn't decipher any Sumerian tablets. They were already deciphered for him, but long before he was born. This stuff was done in the 1700s. But anyway, the enumeration, the seven tablets of creation, and also the Atra Esses epic talk about how the Anunnaki genetically modified human beings, adding their essence to ours, but also through this process, they took us down a couple of notches. Our ancestors who were here, which were our cousins, they weren't homo sapiens sapiens, but they were our hominid cousins, were probably much more advanced than us, advanced than us spiritually. The Anunnaki realized this, and they disconnected some DNA. It's not junk. It's disconnected DNA. So let's talk about the other 90% are considered junk DNA. The Russian researchers, however, convinced that, that, that nature neither wasteful or stupid, joined linguists and geneticists in a venture to explore that extra 90% of their, uh, to explore that extra 90%. The results, findings, and conclusions are not only revolutionary, but profound. According to these experts, our DNA is not only responsible for the construction of our body, but also serves as both data storage, which we're going to talk about. I talk about this a lot, guys. This is a brand new article that just came out to I'm adding to my lecture. Serves as data storage, and is a vital component in our communication strategies. DNA stores data. It stores data, digital bits of information, just like on the computer I'm talking to you on. Also, it stores epigenetic memories uh, through the genes, and your body's housing all this information from ancestors and from data from all over the universe inside of your body right now. The Russian linguist found that junk DNA code mirrors and follows the same rules as all of our uh, verbal human languages. Ooh, so junk DNA responds to... Cymatic frequencies. Junk DNA responds to cymatic frequencies. It's not junk. It's still there. It still has purpose. It still can be tapped into, and we can reconnect it through conscious thought, thought backed by cymatic frequencies, which is vocalization, affirmations. To this end, they compared the rules of syntax, the way in which words are put together to form phrases and sentences, 
uh, semantics, the study of meaning of language and forms, the basic rules of grammar. So they call it in semantics, but it's really cymatics, uh, which what we call it with a CY, same exact thing, what they're talking about here, these Russian scientists, they figured out something that I've been teaching for a while and, uh, and that the ancients have told us since the very beginning. Both talked about this 36,000 years ago in the Emerald Tablets, guys. He talked about this. Let me see if I could just get lucky and find this page. Look at that. <laughs> just that quick. Page 118 in my book. Folk tells the reader to speak the following names aloud, but they're not really names. Utanus, Quertus, Chaital, Goyana, Wartal, Samveda, Ardal. And he's telling the reader that when you get into a bad situation, when you get blindsided by life, when you get into, uh, you put yourself in a, in a, in a situation that almost seems uh, unfathomable how you're going to get out of it or fix it or uh, someone else that you, you know, a family member or whatever, anything going wrong, a business deal gone bad, whatever it is. You get into a your own meditative state in a dark area or a quiet spot, and you you utter these names over and over again: Utanas, Quertus, Chaital, Koyana, Wertal, Samveda, Ardal. Those are not names of people. I go on to say in my book, these are not names of real people. They are frequencies that, when spoken aloud, send out specific vibrational frequencies that have a direct effect on our brain, which in turn have a direct effect on your personal reality tunnel. What did we just learn in the beginning of this lecture and workshop? Brain-heart coherence is directly affected by the way that you set your new normal, which is positive affirmations and reprogramming the way you're responding to situations. That's what this has to do with, guys. This is a 36,000-year-old text. Those instructs that you are to use this technique as needed, meaning that there is not a permanent, long-lasting effect, but that the effect may be temporary and may need to be repeated as needed. Those influenced later by Thoth, if, uh, who, um, no less than Pythagoras and Newton, discovered how to acquiesce the power of vibrational knowledge. That's what we're talking about to guys, today, guys. Vibrational knowledge, and we're going to move into how to utilize this vibrational knowledge in your life. Okay. <clears throat> Living chromosomes function just like sol um, uh, solitonic holographic computers which uh, basically use uh, indigenous DNA laser radiation. This means that the scientists managed to influence the DNA frequency. See, DNA has a frequency. You hear me talk about this all the time. DNA has a specific frequency, and it resonates at the frequency that your brain-heart coherence is operating at. When your brain-heart coherence is disconnected, your frequency drops. When your brain-heart coherence is connected and, and functioning properly, and you're in a zen mode, your brain-heart coherence creates a higher frequency, which runs across your DNA, giving the DNA the power to connect and quantum entangle with the universal consciousness. So this means that scientists managed to influence the DNA frequency and thereby the genetic information itself by modulating, so they're changing the frequency, certain frequency patterns, onto a laser ray. Since the basic structure of DNA alkaline pairs of the language, as explained earlier, which is from the article, are the same structure, no DNA decoding is necessary. They're finding out now, guys, how to utilize frequencies to get DNA to act differently and reprogram itself based off of pure frequencies, okay? They found that the alkaline of our DNA follow a regular grammar and do not have a set rules just like our languages. So human language did not appear coincidentally, but are a reflection of our inherent DNA. I don't know if you understand this, guys. 
The, way, the reason why we can speak and vocalize and talk to each other is because of as above, so below. Our DNA also has the capability of communicating. Now, we, I'm going to talk about this later, how our DNA has the capability of connecting to computers and sending and receiving, uploading and downloading digital bits of information. It can also send and receive wireless signals, uploading and downloading directly from other fields, other energy sources of people even walking by you. And so as above, so below, you go to the above, what is it? Well, we're vocalizing and we're doing what we're doing in the below, which is the same exact thing through frequencies. DNA operates on frequencies and it can be influenced by frequencies. The Russian uh, biophysicist and molecular biologist, uh, Pajor, uh, yeah, Pajor Gargev, Gar, uh, and his colleagues also explored the vibrational behavior in our DNA. Okay? So, so why is this important for us everyday folk? Well, it was also experimentally proven that one can simply use the frequency of speech to influence the DNA frequency and alter genetic information. And the results achieved are dependent upon the frequencies, which are your thought statements, your conscious thought backed by vocalizations that are going to be used. This is possible because living DNA will always react to language. This is science, guys. You got to understand, this is real science. This is, it, this is possible because living DNA will always react to language modulated laser rays, and even to radio waves, okay? Think about that. Always. This is how DNA operates. It operates based off of frequencies that it picks up wirelessly and wired. If you're wired, like right now, it's wired into the body, the avatar body, but it's also wireless because it can go outside the avatar body and connect to wireless sources. Even a radio wave, even a passing radio wave frequency can actually interact with your DNA, why is all this important? Because we have to understand why we are the way we are, why we think the way we think, why we operate the way we operate, why we're not manifesting what we really want. What, what are we overlooking here? What science, what understanding of how we operate in this matrix are we missing? These are the key points that we're missing, the fundamentals, the basis. When I worked out and trained uh, children in basketball, I was one of the most elite coaches in the Southeast region of the United States. My teams won 90% of their games over eight years. Think about that. And not just by a couple of points. A lot of our games we won by 20, 30 points. Some even broke the clock. Why is that? Because in my practices, we focused on fundamentals all day, every single day, nonstop. When other teams are just, okay, they got the fun. They can do this. They, oh, they got the dribble. They got the crossover. We're going to move into, let's work on these plays. We worked on defense and fundamentals nonstop. Defense, fundamentals. Defense fundamentals, non-stop. Throughout the entire season, we never stopped. And why? Because without the fundamentals, you can't get to the end result. Most of us here on this uh, webinar right now know our multiplication tables by heart. How do you know them? Because you memorized the answer. You knew one time one is one, two times two is four, three times three is six. You just memorized the answer. So when you see the three and the three, you automatically think, oh, six, I know the answer. But if I were to ask you, why is that? Why is three times three? Why is two times two? Why is one? Why do we get the answer there? What, what is, how is that? Like, why is this answer this? Okay. Um, and we get that answer because we've just literally memorized it, but we don't know how we get to that answer. 
You know, so you get on the calculator and you go and you, you know, you type it in and you're like, you know, okay, um, you know, what's, what's, what, you know, what's the answer? And I, like I was saying before, oh, by the way, also, I was saying three times three is six, three times three is nine. I'm sorry. But so we, we go and we say, um, we know the answer because we memorize it. Well, well, why? Why, why is three times three nine? So we go on the calculator and we play with the calculator and it gives us the same answers. We just like popped up answers. But we don't really still understand why. Why is three times three nine? We have to get to the why in things, right? Why am I thinking the way that I think? Why do I react to things, situations, the, same, the way that I'm reacting? Why am I having trouble creating this reality that I'm dreaming and hoping for? Why am I not able to get into these meditative states that could take me to the next level? Why, why, why? These fundamental things that I'm talking about now are what we need to understand and know to be able to get to where we can answer those whys. We have to know how we get to the answer and not just get to the answer. We got to understand the process so that when we go through these meditations, when we go through these uh, mind and thought experiments, when we go through um, these situations, we get a good understanding of the processes that are occurring step-by-step on the way to the end result therefore giving us a better end result because we're a part of the process. We're not just pop up hoping for a miracle at the end. Okay. That's why. Affirmations are very powerful and very, very, very important. This uh, finally and scientifically explains why affirmations, autogenous training, hypnosis, uh, the like are able to have such a strong effect on humans and their bodies. This is real science. This is a science article. It's entirely normal and natural for our DNA to react to language. Scientists all around the world concur that this is what's happening. While Western researchers cut single genes from the DNA strands and insert them elsewhere, the Russians enthusiastically work on devices that can influence the cellular metabolism through suitable modulated radio and light frequencies that thus repair genetic defects. So what they're saying here, guys... There's scientists out there that are repairing genetic defects by using sounds and light waves, frequencies and light, cymatic frequencies and light, to literally repair and alter DNA. Amazing. This is what we have the capability of doing to ourselves, which we're going to learn about today, okay? Well, this spearheaded a whole new generation of energy medicine, which is where we should be. Instead of using all these pharmaceuticals, we should be into light healing and frequency healing. That's the future of the of, of this world, and that's how, that's when we get back into a golden age society. You'll see that there'll be uh, energy frequency medicines, not uh, not not these fake pharmaceuticals that mask the problem and destroy other organs and tissue, and causing you to actually have a much shorter life and a very unhealthy life at that. Esoteric and spiritual teachers have known for ages that our body is programmable by language, words, and thoughts. At last, this has now been scientifically proven and explained. Of course, to get the desired result, the frequency has to be correct. That's what we're here, guys. The frequency has to be correct. You have to know what frequency to emanate and generate and how to get to that frequency. Perhaps this explains the very results that people get and why not everybody is equally successful. For powerful results, each individual must work on their inner processes in order to establish a conscious communication with the DNA. Hmm. Scientists are saying 
we have to go to inner space and develop a conscious connection, communication with our own DNA. We're talking about brain-heart coherence, and we're talking about going to inner space, into the inner self, and tapping into our inner divine energy and spark and learning how to reprogram ourselves. That's what we're talking about here, guys. This is powerful stuff. By utilizing frequency patterns on the laser ray, the Russian researchers work on a method that is not dependent on mental and emotional factors. It always works, provided one uses the correct frequency. They've discovered the frequencies to correct and fix DNA and heal DNA and also genetics. So we're going to learn how to utilize these techniques ourselves, and it starts with positive affirmations, very big part of things. Sounds simple, sounds easy, sounds, but damn, you say, oh, yeah, I love affirmations, and then what happens? You start off saying a few of them, then you get busy, then you got your kids calling you, then you got your spouse calling you, then you got a flat tire, and your affirmations, they go by the wayside. You start off, and then you just tapers down, tapers down. If you really want the result you seek, you've got to start talking to yourself a lot more out loud. My kids, if you ever meet them, they will tell you, they will laugh how much I talk nonstop all day. I'm talking to myself nonstop. And when people say, you know, <laughs> you know, you're crazy. No, I'm enforcing what I'm teaching nonstop. I'm talking out loud all the time to myself. Even just the simple things that I'm walking around the house. They got so used to it now, of course, they don't even ask me. They don't say, huh, what are you talking about? Are you calling me? They know. It's just, this is dad. Just, I just talk to myself nonstop, vocalizing, verbalizing, everything, affirmations, everything. just nonstop all the time because I understand the power in it. I understand the power in that, okay? So if you see me talking to myself, don't interrupt me. I'm getting expert advice. That's what I like to tell people. <clears throat> Let's talk about ancient wisdom. You have Mayat. Okay, that's the true pronunciation, Mayat. Some call it Maat, but it's really Mayat. The wife of Thoth, goddess of justice, ostrich feather in her hair, helped the weighing of the heart. So she is the, one of the very first uh, beings that tried to give us an understanding of brain-heart coherence. The goddess of truth and harmony. Harmony with the brain and the heart. Harmony and synchronicity together with the brain and heart coherence through positive affirmations, which we're going to see. Mayat refers to both the ancient Egyptian concepts of the truth, balance, order, harmony, law, morality, and justice, and the personification of these concepts as a goddess, regulating the stars, seasons, and the actions of both mortals and deities who set the order of the universe from chaos at the moment of creation. This is powerful stuff. This is what we're going to be getting into today. This is a rendition of Mat, Mayat, ancient Egypt. Know thyself, know thy soul, know thy heart, and know thy purpose. Know thy soul. Now we're talking about the consciousness. Know thy heart. We're talking about the heart and the brain consciousness together. We're talking about brain-heart coherence in ancient times. The end result is you're going to know thy purpose, okay? You're going to have synchronicity. You're going to be in the right frequency. <clears throat> Mayat, the concept of truth, justice, law, integrity, uprightness, correctness, righteousness, steadfast, unalterable, 
reality, order, stability, continuity, equilibrium, balance, measurement, and uh, reciprocity. So these are the aspects of this being that were, you know, that she relayed to mankind. So this is why, you know, it always really (laughs) trips me out when people in different religions try to say that, you know, it's demonic and so forth and so on. What uh, the ancient Egyptians and the Kemetic peoples uh, have to teach and say, because in true reality, it's the opposite. This is the truth, the truth. And the other stuff is the demonic stuff, in my opinion. Um, so the concept ma, may, the concept of right, true, real, genuine, upright, righteous, just, authentic. These all sound like what, guys? Affirmations. <laughs> she is the embodiment of positive affirmations and powerful affirmations. Morality, karma. I mean, listen, the name itself personifies the affirmations, positivity, and continuity uh, throughout the entire universe. So where do we get the Ten Commandments from? The Ten Commandments actually came from the 42 ideals of Mayat. That's literally where the Ten Commandments came from. Uh, so, you, you know, in the modern-day Bible, uh, Moses climbs up a mountain and then a burning bush gives him these tablets. Ironically, thousands of years earlier than that, guess what, guys? The tablets were the 42 ideals of Mayat, which you can find in the Egyptian Book of the Dead which the true name is the Egyptian book of going forth by day. And I actually have a, a copy here uh, with the um, papyrus of Ani included, which is a very hard version to find. So I have the whole papyrus of Ani in the, in my version of the Egyptian book of going forth by day. If you don't have that, I highly recommend that you get it. The 42 ideals of Mayat. Let's talk about these positive affirmations that existed in super ancient antiquity. I honor virtue. I benefit with gratitude. I, I'm I'm going to go down these guys, but I'm telling you, the beautiful thing about this webinar and this workshop, you have access to save this and screenshot this and utilize this in your own life. Now, some of you may have seen these before and may have even reposted some of these before. How many of us have actually gone through every single one? We're going to do that right now because just I want to vo- I, I want to vocalize it. I want to say these things right now. Because it's going to have an effect on me and my DNA right at this moment. I honor virtue. I benefit with gratitude. I am peaceful. I respect the property of others. I affirm that all life is sacred. I give offerings that are genuine. I live in truth. I regard altars with respect. I speak with sincerity. I consume only my fair share. I offer words of good intent. I relate in peace. I honor animals with reverence. I can be trusted. I care for the earth. I keep my own counsel. I speak positively of others. I remain in balance with my emotions. I am trustful in my relationships. I hold purity in high esteem. I spread joy. I do the best I can. I communicate with compassion. I listen to opposing opinions. I create harmony. I invoke laughter. I am open to love in various forms. I am forgiving. I am kind. I act respectively of others. I am accepting. I follow my inner guidance. I converse with awareness. I do good. I give blessings. I keep the waters pure. I speak with good intent. I praise the goddess and the God. I am humble. I achieve with integrity. 
I advance through my own abilities and I embrace the all. Wow. Powerful. Real powerful stuff, guys. I mean, and you know, you should be saying these. If you can't say them every day, just say them randomly at different times. Put it on your cell phone, put it on your tablet, where you can just go back into an old folder, you know, an image folder, pull it up, and just speak some of these ancient positive affirmations. These have been around for thousands and thousands of years. One of the biggest things I like is I give blessings. Some of you have seen a picture on my website where I'm being blessed by a monk. And boy, did I get a lot of heat for that photo. You got a man blessing you and blah, 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 blah. That guy has more power in his pinky than the people that trolled in the comments having their entire body. And yes, he blessed me. You can bless people. We should all be a, be a blessing to each other. The same divine spark that created all that is and all that will ever be is the same divine spark in every single atom inside of your body. And you have trillions of atoms in your body. So you have the power, the divine power, to bless anybody and anything. All you have to do is believe it and speak it, period. Yeah, that's the power. Coherence is powerful stuff. Shared goals, shared meaning, repeated patterns, adaptation, reduced internal tension, complementary functions, and conserved energy. These are some of the things that we're going to be going over today in this workshop and utilizing in our daily lives. Did you know that positive emotions create physiological benefits in your body? So your emotions have a lot to do, which is why we keep going back to the brain-heart coherence and understanding how to stay positive in every situation, understanding how to control your physiology. This is really, really important stuff, guys. You know, being a big content creator and um, a public figure, there's a lot of pressure because people will, um, you know, they come to your content to only for one reason, not all people, but just some, to agitate and irritate and try you and see what they can get away with and what they can't get away with and what they can say and to try to denounce you and lie on you and everything else and make crazy comments about whatever topic you're talking about. And the end result that they're looking for, their agenda, is to get a response. That is their agenda. Now, I have been guilty of getting of responding to some of these uh, entities, these uh, energy vampires, in the past. Over years, I learned, why am I giving away my energy for free to these people? Why am I allowing them to eat my energy? They literally are eating it. They're devouring it for their own personal satisfaction. And I'm going to show you how. By not have, living and operating in brain-heart coherence and controlling my emotional output from outside uh, input, such as a negative comment on a content post that I make, by not doing that, I lose my frequency and my DNA drops. This frequency drops, and now it allows my consciousness to wander and makes me susceptible to uh, reactions that don't live up to the standards of Mayat, don't live up to the standards that I held for myself, and others don't live up to the standards of the universal consciousness and the law of attraction. So what I do is I get pissed off at this comment, whatever it says, and I go, I'm going to show this son of a, I'm going to respond to this, bop, bop, bop. I'm tapping on these keys. What happens? So because every thought that you think is an electromagnetic wave that leaves out of your skull, you send a light wave 
Right. You can't see with your eye because your eye only sees 1%, but you send a light wave out of your skull, a frequency, it's light, all frequencies are light. It then travels into your device, goes to the device. It then goes up the microwave frequency to the cell phone tower in your local area. That cell phone tower then sends it through a satellite, beams it up into space to a satellite in space. It then comes down in the region where that person's located to another cell phone tower, and then it's sent down at a microwave frequency to that person's device. That person gets a notification, the phone lights up, and then they open it up and they see a response from you. And when they see that response, what happens is a photon bounces off the device, hits their retina. It goes to the back of the brain, gets deciphered, and now the energy that left your brain on the other side of the planet even has now traveled through the screen of a device halfway around the world into their mind and generated for them a favorable emotional response. They just ate your energy. You have just been a victim of an energy vampire. You see how that works? Again, positive emotions create physiological benefits in your body. Negative emotions will do the opposite. You got to think about that. This toroidal structure of the human energy field has been mapped out uh, by the Institute of Heart Math. <clears throat> They've used sensitive electrocardiographs, EKGs, to measure the electromagnetic pulses that emanate from the center of our torus. Every single person has one. <clears throat> the heart, the uh, torus, the heart. The field generated was measured to extend up to 12 feet around the human body. And they discovered that humans and other animals can sense this energy field when in close proximity to each other. This is why when you walk into a room full of people and there's a bad vibe or a low vibe and you go, mm, the vibe in here is a bad vibe in here. It's not because you're just guessing. It's because you really truly have downloaded the information from the source field of these bodies that are walking around with these toroidal fields that have information in them. And as you pass through another person's source field, without touching their physical body, just through their field, your body and and their bodies are communicating wirelessly. You may not be aware of it, but it's happening. This is where you get the feel that somebody's uh, upset, where you get the feel that somebody is uh, happy, excited, uh, when you get the feel that somebody is evil. Whatever the case may be, it's these interacting energy fields that we have. That's why by the end of this workshop today, you should understand how much power is inside of your body how big your field is, and you should be able to walk into a room of people, and those people should be able to know right away when you walk in that you're a powerful, omnipotent, almighty being, that power, the power of the universe is flowing through your veins, and you know how, you know how to wield it, you know how to enter, you use, utilize that energy, and you should be so positive and so happy and energetic and full of unconditional love that when you walk by them, the information in your Taurus energy field should update the programming in their energy field, thereby giving them a bump. Uh, an energy bump, taking them to a higher level just by you walking through a room. That's how powerful you should be when you walk around. That's the mindset you got to be in. When I walk around, I feel that kind of power. Yes, I'm going to act humble and I'm going to give people respect. Internally, I understand the power that truly dwells inside of me. And I understand that I expect to walk in abundance. I understand that I expect that my path be laid out and made plain. I expect that uh, people will uh, you know, uh, be, learn and be honored and respect, digni- dignify my work and understand what I'm talking about and take themselves to the next level. I expect these things. 
I expect when I walk into a room of somebody suffering mentally that when I walk by them, I'm going to lift their spirit. These are the things that I expect. And that's the way that you're supposed to move through this universe, through this matrix that we're living in right now. So let's work on some quick coherence techniques to get you back in synchronicity and brain-heart coherence. Helps you create a coherent state. Quick coherence techniques. They're going to help you reduce stress and get you right in the moment. Feel positive and focused and help you perform at your best. Step one, heart-focused breathing. Okay, You're going to need to take deep, heart-focused breaths. Focus your attention in the area of the heart. So you literally are focusing on the area of the heart and seeing it and envisioning it. Imagine your breath is flowing in and out of your heart chest area. Breathe a little slower and deeper than usual. What I like to do is I like to take 10 seconds inhale and I like to get 10 seconds exhale. So if you have strong enough lungs to do that, if you don't, if your lungs aren't that deep, take five, eight seconds, whatever you can. Take a very deep breath in and exhale, okay? And do that over and over again. This is going to help to resynchronize your coherence. Step two, activate a positive feeling. Make a sincere attempt to experience a regenerative feeling such as appreciation or care for someone or someone or something in your life, okay? So you're going to be grateful. You're going to appreciate your second, your better half. You're going to... Think of something positive that happened to you already and reminisce on that instead of focusing on the negative. This is going to help to also take you to another level with your frequency because you're now going with focusing on negativity or problem or what just happened to you, and now you're shifting that energy to focus on positivity. Use this whenever you recognize your energy is draining. So when your energy is going down, when you feel like you're getting drained, when you feel like someone is draining you or energy and vampire is siphoning you dry, you got to go get into these quick techniques to get your coherence back. You can use it anywhere. And the thing about those very simple techniques, really very simple, a lot of stuff is simple. We just don't take the time to do them. You go to work, somebody pisses you off, and now you're walking around with this grimace on your face, and you've got an attitude, and you're angry, and you're snapping at everybody. And you know about these techniques. You know, you, 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 know, you know about realigning yourself and getting yourself back right and taking the time to take the deep breathing and everything else. And, but you, know, you, know, you figure, I'll do it later. Meanwhile, you're walking around thinking that you're causing other people to suffer. But in true reality, you're the one that's suffering. You have to keep the synchronicity. You have to keep the brain-heart coherence, synchronicity going, okay? Self-regulation. This is what we're talking about. We have found that regular practice, this is science, by the way. This is a, a real science article, and I have the source links as well, guys. We have found that regular practice of these intentionally simple self-regulation techniques, most of which instructs users to place their attention in the center of the chest and then self-activate a feeling of calmness or positive emotion, can lead to long-lasting increases, increases in participants' ability to self-regulate and maintain their composure. The biggest problem we have in today's world, especially in social media, people can't contain their composure. They just can't maintain their composure. Every time you turn around, people on social media are blowing up. You got these cyber gangsters out here. I'm going to buy, 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 and I'm going to... Crazy. Maintaining composure. Okay? Use of the techniques also leads to a state of specific increase in HRV and vagal activity. Uh, over the time, 
which can lead to sustained increases in HRV. In a study of high school students who, who practice self-regulation techniques over a three-month period, their resting HRV was significantly increased and the pattern of HRV was significantly more coherent. So you see, this study was done by real scientists, a real peer-reviewed scientific study was done where people, where these, basically the students were taught to practice self-regulation techniques, kind of like what we just talked about a minute ago, to realign with your heart-brain coherence or brain-heart coherence. And they found out that after three months, uh, not only was it incredible for them, but they were more coherent. These improvements in resting HRV coherence were significantly correlated with the increased test scores and improved behaviors suggested that the practice of self-regulation skills induces a more coherent heart rhythm, reinforcing the association in subcortical cortical regulatory systems involved in a match-mismatch process between more coherent and stable rhythms in cardiovascular afferent neuronal traffic and feelings of perceived we perceive as positive. So what this is saying is once you self-regulate, in other words, uh, somebody cuts you off in traffic and you get rid of no. Bless that person. I hope they get to where they're going safely. I'm safe. I didn't get into an action. I didn't die. I hope whatever that made that person do that, maybe they wake up if they were dozing off, if they were on a cell phone. I bless that person. I want them to make it to their destination safely. That's self-regulation. That's turning a negative into a positive. The negative will be to chase them down and flip them off the middle finger and scream through the window that nobody can hear you scream out of and blah, 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 blah and become this irate psychopath. That's a disconnect in brain-heart coherence and leads you down the path of destruction. This way, self-regulation techniques, in just three months, you can literally have yourself completely reprogrammed. It's incredible. This is part one of this I Imagination workshop. I hope you get a lot out of this initial intro into what we're working on. This in itself could be its own workshop, just getting to this point right here. Uh, I'm cutting this into pieces, and so there'll be multiple videos up here for you to watch. Uh, so I'm going to break here, and there'll be another video, which will be part two of the I Imagination workshop. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a part of this. So thank you very much, and I will be, ve be back very, very soon. This second clip is 27 minutes and introduces another masterclass on remote viewing. Hey everybody, this is Billy Carson for Bidden Knowledge. Thanks for coming on the workshop today. I really appreciate it. Just a couple of more minutes and we're going to go ahead and get this party started. This is the remote viewing workshop I'm going to be teaching you today. First, we're going to start off with the science uh, of how ESP and remote viewing actually works like how is it possible for the human mind how the consciousness can actually link to higher realms and actually download data from what we like to call the etherical realm um and uh, and how you can actually utilize that information how you can actually download it discern it and apply it and bring back information or intelligence about it so we're going to go over all that today it's going to be an amazing workshop i want to thank uh brother rich first of all uh, Richard Merrick, uh, he is uh, Black Magic 363 on YouTube. Rich, look, I, I really appreciate you. It's very hard to find someone that uh, has the fortitude and um, the mindset and no fear in talking about these types of controversials, controversial um, gray area topics and subjects 
that a lot of people are not only don't want to talk about, but they're afraid to talk about. So I appreciate you, brother, man. That's amazing. Uh, to me, you're like a ray of light, uh, you know, ascending on this dark world. We need a lot. We need a lot more people like you. You've done a phenomenal job with your channel and your, your, um, your people, the people that follow your accounts are just great people, man. They're phenomenal people. Uh, without further ado, guys, I'm going to go ahead and share my screen <clears throat> here. This is not something new. Remote viewing is very, very old. Actually, it's ancient. Remote viewing started, well, we have records of remote viewing coming from the ancient past in the Mahabharata. We have a lot of the Buddhist text. We have the Sumerian tablets. And we also have the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, which all make in-depth references to the ability to send the mind outside the body to collect information not only just about where you are locally, but anywhere in the universe. Uh, Thoth himself, which is one of my favorite characters from the ancient times, I wrote a book uh, basically about him <laughs> and his tablets. Um, but he literally, I mean, almost I would say maybe 30% of the book is about how to use your mind to ascend to higher levels of consciousness and also to travel to other realms, other dimensions and travel throughout the entire universe. And this is something that he did as well, uh, not only to gain knowledge and wisdom, but to experience life in various different ways without having to use his physical body to travel. It's just an amazing concept. So what you hear nowadays about the remote viewing programs in the CIA and Russia and so forth, that's nothing new. They just rediscovered or maybe read about these techniques and tapped back into them. Uh, this is stuff that we've already been doing since ancient, ancient times. So what is remote viewing? Remote viewing is also known as RV. Some call it SRV. It's the practice of seeking impressions about distant or unseen targets purportedly sensing with the mind. The mind, as you're going to find out, is everything. It's all about mind. We're living in a mind. The universe is a gigantic mind. As above, so below. We, are, we have a fractal of what the universe actually is. Okay, We're living, we're, we're living uh, uh, I guess, evidence of a mind. So in this massive mind, you have the capability of generating and creating thoughts, which generate and create light waves. And those light waves go out into space-time, and then they create. They interact. They entangle. They become quantum entangled. They transmit, save, and send information from universe to universe, from galaxy to galaxy, from person to person, all the way down to the smallest scale, from atom to atom. Okay? What is ESP? Now, it's an aspect of remote viewing. Remote viewing can be taught to anyone, and everyone has ESP. You just don't know it. ESP is actually um, your birthright. It's something that we're all born with. Instead of having ex extrasensory perception, it's supposed to be just part of our regular sensory system. Okay, I think that our ancestors had this, our cousins, before we became homo sapiens sapiens. In other words, we had gone through these cycles of rise and fall before, before these Atlanteans even came to Earth, Okay. Millions and millions of years ago, we had become very successful beings, high, high, levels, high levels of civilization, high level of technology on our own. And then something happened and we fell. According to the Mayans records, this has happened four times. There have been four worlds and we're heading into the fifth. This is what the whole 2012 was about, which is really now in 2020 is when it starts. But um, we're heading into a fifth and civilizations rise up and around this curve called the Yuga curve, according to the Indian culture. And they reach a golden age. And then from there, something at some point for several thousand years, after 7,000 years later, 
something happens and it collapses civilization, whether it's cataclysm, whether it's a war, or it's a combination of both. We just don't have the exact answer to that. But right now, we're in that ascension uh, phase again, moving up towards another golden age. And that's why you see people's um, uh, DNA being activated, being reconnected. You see um, ancient memories coming back. You see people using talents and skills that they didn't even know they had and other people didn't know they had. And you see people being able to tap into this ESP and utilize it and access it. It's nothing new. It's actually ancient um, uh, ancient coding and programming built into the avatar body and now finally being reactivated again. Okay, So we're going to start off talking about the principle of mentalism. And so all is mind. This is you know very, very important to understand. All is mind and mind is all. This is the first principle of the comedic principles, which then made it to the hermetic principles. Again, thought by, taught by Thoth the Atlantean, bringing more wisdom and knowledge to the human being, saying, hey, you have to understand that we are living in consciousness. Consciousness is really all that exists. And your mind is very powerful. It sees and stores and records everything, even when you think it's not. Okay. For example, some scientists uh, collected uh, a group of test study people and they took them out for a walk. They didn't tell them where they were going. They just said, look, we're going to go for a quick walk. They walked them down a couple of blocks and then brought them back to the laboratory. When they got back to the laboratory, they asked each one of them some questions. Hey, uh, tell me about what conversations you heard out there. Uh, what did you see? Did you see any, you know, did you see anything interesting? People give mundane answers. Well, you know, I saw some people. I heard some mumblings. Uh, There's some buildings out there. I'm not quite sure what stores they were. I don't shop over here. I saw a couple of cars, but I'm not really, you know, uh, attuned to cars. So they said, okay, no problem. So they put them under hypnosis. Then they asked the same exact questions. People were recalling all kinds of things then. What they saw in a window, the specific types of watches, exact conversations that people were speaking when they walked by, signs on stores that they would never even go into. They knew the names of the signs on the stores, okay, because the brain is already working it works for you 24 hours a day seven days a week non-stop and any photon energy that comes in any auditory input that comes in any sensory information that comes it stores all of it and it organizes all of it and it projects holograms as to what we think may be going on on the outside we're talking about uh, today when remote viewing the neocortex part of the brain and gives you the ability to access higher dimensions this is what they call neo neo in the matrix of course you know the neocortex is also called the neophallium. It's part of the brain in mammals, and it's the outer layer of the cerebral hemispheres, and it's made up of six layers, labeled one through six, with six being the most innermost and one being the outermost. The neocortex is part of the cerebral cortex, along with other uh, uh, archaeocortex and paleocortex, which are cortical parts of the limbic system. In humans, it's involved in higher functions, such as sensory perception, Generation of motor commands, spatial reasoning, conscious thought, and language. So this is a very critical part of the brain, and the part of the brain is literally really activated during a remote viewing session. Okay, This is one of the parts of the brain that's really activated. I want you to see and understand how this stuff works, because we all know our multiplication tables, but we don't. a lot of people don't know why 2 times 2 is 4. They just know the answer, because we've been taught to memorize things. The thing about human beings on this planet, we've become, we've become great regurgitators. We can just spit out information without knowing how to solve the problem or get to that answer. We just learn how to take tests, and that's the bad part, okay? So I like to teach people from the beginning. Light equals intelligence. 
All light is conscious. Let me say that again. All photons, light, electromagnetic waves, gamma rays, uh, ultraviolet waves, um, infrared, multispectrum, all those waves of light are all conscious. And all electrons are also conscious. And this has not been proven in a laboratory with the double slit experiment. But there's a lot of people on here that have never heard of uh, the double slit experiment or really understand how it relates directly to remote viewing. Once you understand that everything in the universe is conscious because every electron is conscious, it makes decisions. It makes decisions. And because it's conscious, that means you, you're, you're interacting with everything is sentient. This, the atoms in this pen are conscious. The atoms in this phone are conscious. And when you begin to realize that everything is conscious, you're going to start treating things totally differently because you're dealing with something that's sentient. You're not dealing with just uh, a mundane object. Okay, You're going to treat things with more respect and dignity, but also realizing and understanding the connection that we all have to everything in the entire universe. If you remember the Star Wars movie, in Star Wars, the older version, uh, where their ship crashes into the mud and Yoda is there with young Skywalker and he's telling Skywalker to raise the ship out of the mud and put it on the, sh on the bank. And Skywalker's getting frustrated because his mind, he can't tap into that energy field to raise it. He tries, but he gets worked up and frustrated and he walks away. Yoda taps into the force, which is what we're doing when you tap into remote viewing. He taps into the force and he uses it. He, he connects himself to the ship and he raises it. How is he raising the ship? Now, this is obviously science fiction, but in reality, this is something that the monks do all the time when they raise gigantic stones in Tibet. What, what, what's happening here is he literally discovered or understood the fact that everything energetically is connected and all information is connected. All he did literally was talk to the atoms inside the ship and collaborated with them to lift the ship and move it over. It's not this special superpower. It's a certain understanding of how nature works and functions and how to tap into that with the human mind. And that's what's so special about it. So the first ever photograph was taken of both a particle and a wave. We're talking about wave-particle duality, where everything exists as a wave of potentials. And the wave is a wave of what? Wave of light. Everything in the universe is light, including your body. Everything is made of light. This phone is made of light <clears throat> because when you analyze the atoms that are in this phone and you break them down into the constituent parts, you discover that they're made of light waves and that the collapsing of the light wave is what gives it a solid effect. So everything exists first as a wave of light and then it's collapsed into digital bits of information. So when you're not at home, your house exists as a wave of potentials. When you show back up to look at it or anybody else is looking at it, it collapses into the house. Why does it look like the same house? Because your house has a specific frequency. This phone has a specific frequency. This pen has a specific frequency. And so no matter who's observing it, it collapses into the same exact shape and dimension in this 3D realm that we're inhabiting right now. Okay, It's really a phenomenal matrix that we're in. This, the creator of this matrix is... Is out there, man, because it's really, it's really amazing. A human being. Shop Michael's Monster Deals today. Save big on Halloween faves and more. Don't let these offers vanish. 
a human being exists. Now, scientists now have completely admitted this. A human being exists as both solid matter and a wave of light because of wave particle duality. You are all light beings. You are all light workers. You are all made of light. So when somebody tells you the light is in you and you're made of light and all this kind of stuff, and you're a light worker, it's not just words. It's real. It's actual scientific fact. So what's happening here with the brain, okay? How is this happening? How is this remote viewing going to be able to work? This is a picture I'm trying to paint for you because what I'm big on is um, getting people to understand why things equal what they do. In other words, how come two times two equals four? What's the why? Why, why is that? We know the answer. We have memorized all the answers to all the multiplication tables, okay? Because we were taught in school, when we see these numbers, this is what the answer is. When we see these numbers, this is what the answer is. A lot of the times, people don't go based off of figuring out or solving the problem. They just go off of remembered, regurgitated information. So I like to show people, no, let's learn the process here so that we can actually have a real result, okay, a real result. So... The human brain, as you can see in this image, is encased inside of a skull. The brain is disconnected from reality. It has no other way to reach out to reality or to the outside world except for through the sensory perception, okay? And that is your, those are your friends or the brain's friends. You have touch, sight, hearing, smelling, and taste. Those are the main sensory perceptions that we know of. Now, how is this actually working? When you say, oh, I see something or I hear something, what we're taking for granted is that we're downloading is what we're doing. Every time you interact with sensory perception at the smallest scale, I picked up a pen and I could feel this pen. I don't feel the pen. I downloaded the data from an electromagnetic wave. That's what I just did. That's what I did. So your, your brain is, is creating these holograms all the time. So your brain says, I don't know what's going on in this field out here, this field of energy. So it says to its friends, go out there and collect me some data. So, you know, touch and sight and smelling and, 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 and all that, they go out. They go out, but they themselves collect data that they can't decipher. My nose can't decipher what a smell actually is. My hands can't tell me I'm grasping onto a pen. It just collects data from the electromagnetic interactions. And then it sends that data into the brain. The brain takes the data from all these different sources and then projects a hologram as to what it believes is going on out there. And you navigate through the matrix based off of a holographic projection coming from your own mind. That's how we get around this planet. That's how you maneuver through everything. We're living in a gigantic holodeck. This is a hologram, okay? And because of that, everything is energetic. And because everything is energetic, when we're on the same grid, everything is connected. That's the point of this. Everything is connected. You are downloading 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you weren't downloading, you would know nothing. You'd be in a, you'd be in a bed um, in a state of uh, like a coma, okay? Because everything that you interact with is a download. When you smell something, you don't smell anything. You're downloading electromagnetic wave. You're converting that electromagnetic wave, which we call a molecule, uh, because it collapses into what we call a molecule. You're converting it into uh, sensory perception information that the brain says this is a this is a, a lemon or this is a you know whatever a dump truck just passed by and I can smell it. It's actually downloaded waves of information. 
before those atoms became molecules and before those molecules got to your sensory uh, tool to be collected and downloaded, they started off as waves. It's really incredible the way this universe is set up and, and created. So you have your speech area, you have the uh, somatic sensory in your cortex, your, your uh, gustatory, which is your tasting area, your language area, your visual area, and your auditory area in parts of the brain. And the data is collected from these um, sensory perceptions, these sensory tools, I should say. It's downloaded into these sections of the brain, and then the brain, brain projects a holographic projection to give you the navigation capability or understanding of what you're interacting with or what you're doing. It's the, it's the convergence of this area, of these areas, that give you your sense of reality in this third dimension. Brain-heart coherence has a lot to do with being able to tap into this energetic field and quantum entangle with the energetic field. And brain-heart coherence is the understanding that you have two brains. You have the brain in your heart and you have the brain in your skull. The two emit specific electromagnetic frequencies. And when they're in a perfect alignment, your energetic torus field is able to do some incredible things. Uh, you can literally walk through a crowd of people and raise their low energy to a high state of energy if they're down. And you can walk into a place. And you see, you hear, hear that term where people say, you know, when you walk up into when you walk into a place, you light it up. That's what they're talking about. They're talking about something that's real. It's a real effect that certain people have when they walk into a room, and that effect has to do with brain heart coherence. And it's so important to understand this stuff because getting in alignment with your brain-heart coherence and centering yourself is a key factor, a key point in before you start a remote viewing session. Okay, that's why I, that's why I go into the meditation first. The meditation is a very crucial part of the remote viewing session because the mind is always very, very busy, and it, sometimes the mind is disconnected from the heart, and people are out of alignment all the time. And so you don't want to go into a, re, a remote viewing session with all this stuff going on in your mind and all this uh, activity going on and un with no alignment, and then you're trying to download information uh, you know, from a target number and you have all this other extra stuff being dumped in, now you're getting incorrect data. You think you're getting a download from this and a download from that, but you're not, you aren't getting anything. You're just getting what the conscious mind is giving you, not what the subatomic mind is giving you. So, you know, like we were talking about before, all the sensory perception that the mind is capable of doing, but there's one more that we're going to be tapping into today. Uh, so right now we're utilizing these basic functions and features of the human brain, but it's, 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 uh, it's time to go a little bit deeper. The, the thought processes in the mind come out of the eighth dimension. So if you go into ancient text, you find um, information pertaining to this eighth level of thinking, this eighth way of thought in allegories and in, par and, and, and in uh, parables and in verses. Uh, and here's one, for example, that I'm going to give you, and then I'm going to show you the science data behind it. But Hermopolis, which is Greek, is a, uh, Hermopolis is named after Hermes, who's also who? So the Atlantean, T-H-O-T-H, the former ruler of, of Chem, who ruled over Chem for 14,000 years, many, many tens of thousands of years ago. Um, but Hermopolis is a site of the ancient, uh, basically, Kumun. Now, the Kumun is a word, a term that, that means eight. It's located near the modern Egyptian town of El Ashumin, 
the Kumun, uh, which is the ancient name of the city, means eight town. After the Agadud, I always mess that word up, Agadod, a group of eight deities who represented the world before creation. In Greek, the city was called Hermopolis after Hermes, who was the Greeks identified with Thoth. Because the city was the main cult center of Thoth, the god of magic, healing, and wisdom, and the patron or the patron of the scribes. So they named the city after him, but it's called Eight Town. Everything that Thoth did, if you read my book, you'll find everything he did was around the number eight. He was representing the eighth level of consciousness, the eighth level of thought processes, tapping into. He would always go into this um, series of eights before he, before he sent his mind out into space. Thoth is considered the god of magic, uh, basically, you know, if you look at a lot of the ancient texts, the location of the Emerald Tablet story talks about UFOs, ray guns, aliens, and it's connected to a place called Eight Town, which, which is, you know, this commune uh, place. Uh, it's really interesting that this eight and how many times it's mentioned in the Emerald Tablets when it has to do with consciousness. And all of a sudden, modern science is just now figuring out that when they tap into the brain and they analyze the neuron processes, that thoughts are coming from a dimension as high as eight all the way down. To understand what we're doing here with, uh, with remote viewing is we are quantum entangling with um, what I like to call, some people call it the Christ consciousness, the universal consciousness. I, I, I see a, a, a three-part way of it working here. First of all, you see Einstein's head sticking up out of space-time. I like to think that as, as my head or your head or anybody else's head, because I think that our thoughts, our conscious thoughts, warp space-time. As you can see, according to the theory of relativity, uh, big bodies in space warp space. So when you start to really focus on a target, this is what's happening. You're focusing on something, but you're now you're quantum entangling with this conscious source field in the energetic field. And that is then sending information to the universal consciousness which is then sending it right back to you, giving you your answer uh, via the law of attraction. So this is the technique that's happening that's al actually actually allowing information to get back to you when you're trying to send your mind out into space-time to gather information. You're quantum entangling with frequencies of information that already exists. In other words, I've, I've assigned uh, something to this target number, an eight-digit random target number. So now what's happened is I've thought about that, and I've stated it over and over again in my mind, which I did before the show. So now I have sent out those waves into space-time. They're out there. They're permanently out there. They're never going to go away. And now your task will be at the end of this is to actually try to tap into that and get a, and send out an, a quantum entangle with my frequency that was already sent out by linking with it consciously, subconsciously, I'm sorry, on the, on the sub, in the uh, quantum world. And then what's going to happen is once you tap into it and you link with it, it's going to use the universe to send it back to you in a way that you can discern it and understand it. Okay, so Thoth, uh, talking about remote viewing here. Rested I there on a planet of beauty. Strains of harmony filled all the air. Shapes were there, moving in order. Before this part, this is coming out of my book, Compendium of the Emerald Tablets, and also from the Emerald Tablets themselves, where he's talking about traveling the universe with his mind to go visit other places. So he said, rested out there on a planet of beauty, strains of harmony filled all the air. Shapes there were moving in order, great and majestic as stars in the night, mountain in harmony, mounting in harmony, ordered equilibrium, 
symbols of the cosmic like unto law. Many of the stars I passed on my journey, many of the races of men on their worlds, some reaching high as the stars of the morning, some falling low in the blackness of night. This man has literally traveled through space-time and watched civilizations rise and fall, each and all of them struggling upward, gaining the heights and plumbing the depths, moving at times in realms of brightness, living through darkness, gaining the light. Know, O man, that light is thine heritage. Know that darkness is only a veil. Seal in thine heart is brightness eternal, waiting the moment of freedom to conquer, waiting to rend the veil of the night. Some I found who had conquered the ether. Free of space were they, while they yet were men. Using the force that is the foundation of all things, far in space constructed they a planet. Drawn by the force that flows through the all, condensing, coalescing the ether into forms that grew as they willed. So we're talking about some super evolved beings that he's referring to, most likely Pleiadians, uh, that even uh, not only did they realize how to travel through space and time, they even had evolved to a point where they didn't even need bodies anymore, and they were able to create uh, solid matter. This is the affirmation that I say before every remote viewing session right here. And so, and then we're going to start the learning process here. I am a spiritual being. Because I am a spiritual being, I am able to perceive beyond all boundaries of time and space. My consciousness is ever present with all that is, with all that ever was, and with all that ever will be. It is in my nature as a human to be able to perceive and thus to know all that there is to know everywhere at all times. I seek to learn and thus to evolve. To further my own personal growth and to assist others in their growth, I direct my attention to a chosen point of existence. I observe what is there. I study it carefully. I record what I find. Okay. These last two clips are from presentations Billy made, and so the sound is obviously not what he gets in his studio. The next clip touches on creation concepts, including the biblical matrix and light language. In ancient times, during the time of um, Zeptepi and the, and the founding of the New Kingdom, um, the only people that were allowed to learn hieroglyphs were the gods. It was the light language or the language of light. The only people allowed to even pronounce them out loud vocally were the gods, were these Anunnaki Atlantean people. Then, uh, all, then the, you had another level, which were the politician level people, if they kind of called them. They had the capability of understanding some of the glyphs, not all of them, only some of them, and, and, and the Arabic. Then you had the working class people who, could only, who were only allowed to learn Arabic, nothing else. So you already see the separation there going on, the segregation of the classes. Thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, they were already putting the system together to enslave us mentally and physically. Along with the list of ancient gods we find encoded in the grid stories of the creation of the human experiment, we find Zeptepi. Within the void called time and space, there are those who move from reality to reality, creating the programs in which souls experience. The Matrix is in the Bible. That's where they got the name of that movie from from the Bible. That's where it comes from. It's mentioned in there five times. The matrix, you know what they say the matrix is? A womb. And the only way to be born, in other words, the only way to achieve a higher level of consciousness and escape the womb is you have to be born through that womb. In other words, you have to develop another dimension of thought and understanding before you can escape the system that's been put on top of you. And that's where the matrix comes from. It's, it's actually uh, listed there many, many times. So. Um, 
Zeptepi refers to the first time, a remote epoch prior to the ancient Egypt, in which the place of awakening and the place of for, for, uh, forgetfulness in the uh, beginning, in the end, in all everything. It is the home of the creational forces, those who bend and shape realities through sound, light, and color. Let me read that again. Those who bend and shape realities through sound, light, and color. What produces sound, light, and color? TVs. Thank you. They understand this stuff, man. They're using it against you every single day and your kids as well. For generation after generation, they've manipulated the system. And now we're in the technological age where they're using it right through your phone screens. Okay? They understand the light frequencies that have a direct effect on human consciousness. They understand the G technology, that's the microwaves that are being received by this device. Do you know that I can send a piggyback encoded message on a microwave frequency? Cell phone towers work because you have the cells of phone uh, towers. Okay, so you have a tower here, a tower here, a tower here, a tower here. It's in the shape of a cell over many miles. And as you drive, it sends out a microwave frequency, which is picked up by your device. And your device sends back a microwave frequency, connecting microwave frequency back to that tower. And as you drive, it passes from tower to tower. And it never stays on the same tower. Okay? Now, if I wanted to, I can very easily embed or encode a frequency on that um, microwave signal that can be picked up at 5 to 8 hertz by your own brain, and I can talk to you. Zeptepi is Genesis. Zeptep, Zep means time, Tepi means first. Let me say it again. Zep means time, Tepi means first. Together they are the first time, or the golden age of alchemy, where the gods moved through the void and created grids of our reality. Over 30,000 years ago, they knew about this flower of life. They knew about the technology. They knew about the implications. They knew about the womb. They knew about the vesicophysis. They knew about the, uh, you know, the, the whole way that this formation converts into a three-dimensional substructure that creates this entire grid that we live on called the matrix. No matter what civilization you go to around the world, you're going to find the flower of life. In the creation myth, we are introduced to astrology and the influence of the plants upon man and from which man is expected to rise above. We have dualism, a god of the heavens and one who created earth. We see an idea of man as a son or part of God. We have, made, we have man being given the power of creation. You create your own reality. The idea that man is a dual nature is one in heaven, non-material, soul and spirit, and the physical in the world of matter, the body, and the fall, leaving from heaven to be with nature. In other words, the universal consciousness deciding, I want to experience the third dimension from this perspective, from that perspective. I'm going to go down, I'm going to separate myself into trillions and trillions of entities, and I'm going to experience what it's like to be a human being in the third dimension. I'm going to experience what it's like to be a, a, a cat, a dog, a blade of grass, even a rock. And I'm going to collect that data and that information from all those perspectives to what agenda and what end, I'm not exactly sure. But the universe is on a data collection mission. And the reason why I know that is because as above, so below. Our bodies, like I said before, our brain is collecting information on a consistent basis. 24 hours a day, this is our consciousness where we house it. The universal consciousness is going to be doing the same exact thing, collecting information. Why? It's essentially percepting or perceiving this realm from this perspective uh, for its own personal understanding and gain of what it means to be a three-dimensional being. That's literally what it's all about. And it's like, a, it's like a creator drops a pebble into a little stream, and you see the ripples go out. 
we're in that ripple. We're in the ripples. And it's just like, I hate to say it, but it's like a massive, massive experiment. And it's to see how it develops, how it feels, how it can sense things, how, how these individual arms of itself respond to situations. And uh, it's, it's really, it's a, it's a data clear. I think the ultimate goal, in my opinion, is to see if this experiment, this ripple, will turn back and come back to what we call unconditional love. Will it continue to re- relate itself as a yin and a yang, and separation and division? Or will at some point universal love take over and end this experiment? We have to wait and see. We have to wait and see. The principle of mentalism is that the universe is all mind. What does that mean? Everything begins as a thought, like I told you yesterday. Everything begins as a thought. So what if, so like I said, you know, how do you how do you come up with how does thought turn into reality? You start with a conscious plane. So you think of something, like I said yesterday, the cell phone. You think about the phone, what it would look like, what it would feel like, what size it would be, what functions it would have on a conscious uh, plane platform. Then you take it to a two-dimensional platform. So in a two-dimensional platform, you give it to a CAD designer. Hey, this is my idea. This is what I'm looking to create. The CAD designer then puts it into a two-dimensional format for you. And then once you get it where, where you want it, the CAD designer then does what? Here. Take it from this two-dimensional platform and put it in the three-dimensional reality by giving it to an engineer. Now the engineer will convert that thought into a three-dimensional physical reality that can utilize the tool. This is how we manifest things every single day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Like I said, nothing would be here if we didn't have this power of manifestation. The proof that we are gods is in the fact that when you look around, there's things here. <laughs> if we weren't gods, there would be nothing here. We are creators. We are co-creators in this reality. And it's very important to understand that. Let's look at the brain. You know, in the Matrix, they call, uh, you know, the Savior, Neo. Did you think that was a coincidence? <laughs> They're talking about the neocortex, where we think, talk, move, create, and learn. The neocortex, Latin for a new bark or a new rhyme, also known as the neophallum, is the mantle, or the new mantle. It's part of the brain in mammals. It is the outer layer of the cerebral hemispheres and made up of six layers, labeled one through six. The neocortex is part of the cerebral cortex, uh, basically which are the cortical parts of the limbic system. In humans, it is involved in higher functions such as sensory perception, generation of motor commands, spatial reasoning, conscious thought and language, and you thought it was just a name. There's lessons in everything out there. And a lot of you heard me say before, I I believe that we're living in a fractal holographic universe. This universe is holographic by nature. It's not just me saying this. Professor James Gates, who used to be um, the presidential scientific advisor to uh, uh, President Obama, he was a, uh, was a uh, professor at the University of Maryland. Uh, he's now at another university, but he's an expert in something called supersymmetry and theoretical physics. Okay, and he put together a team of some of the top physicists, quantum physicists in the world. In the world, these are the brightest and biggest minds on this planet to figure out what is this soup that we're operating living in. What is this? What is this universe? What is this space-time? What is it? They discovered a, uh, a group of codes called Adinkra codes. Now, these Adinkra codes, if you remember the Dogon tribe I had up there a little while ago, the Dogon tribe knew all about these Adinkra codes. They call it part of sleepy time, the dream world. What does that tell you? They have these codes drawn or etched into fabric and designs, and they're called Adinkras, but they're really numerical um, representations of something called error correcting codes. And these error correcting codes that they knew for thousands of years, which we just now rediscovered, 
are the same codes that run search engine browsers and websites. So the same codes that operate your computer, your websites and browsers for Google searches and all of that, and the websites you like to visit, are the same codes that operate this entire ether of space-time. We're living inside a program. The agency is right. The Bible is right. We're living in a creation. I'm just telling you the method used for the creation. The method used for this creation is a hologram. Most likely by a dodecahedron on the exterior, projecting in a three-dimensional holographic uh, vision of electromagnetic waves. And these waves emanate from this dodecahedron into the center. Consciousness interacts with these, with these electromagnetic waves. Consciousness actually slows down electromagnetism and collapses into something that we call solid matter to give us the illusion that there's something actually here. When you're not looking at something, it doesn't even exist. I know it's hard to really understand that. Like a video game. Okay, let me give you a video game, for example. If you're playing Donkey Kong, remember that video game? It's one of the oldest games, okay? Or uh, Pac-Man, one or two. No matter what happens, as you move to the next screen, as you, well, as you move to left or right, the next screen appears. Even in Donkey Kong, you got to go up these ladders or whatever these things are, these ramps. You don't see the top of the ramp when you start the game. You only see the top of the ramp as you defeat certain levels, and as you get closer to what you think is the top, the top begins to appear. When you're not at the top, the top doesn't exist on the screen. It's just an electromagnetic wave. It's, the, it's not real. It only becomes real when you need it to become real. Consciousness is a wave function, just like in mathematics. And wave functions collapse information into a particular um, uh, outcome or a particular answer. And so your conscious wave function collapses electromagnetic waves into something we call solid matter. How? By slowing down the frequency or vibration of those waves. All that matter truly is, is electromagnetism that has been slowed down. That's all it is. If you slow it down enough, you can collapse it into a physical object or something that we think is a physical object. Like I said before, the only thing stopping my hand from going through this table is the repulsion of the electromagnetic waves in my fingers repelling the same waves that are inside this table. But if I were to phase shift the atomic frequency of the atoms in my hand to the same frequency of the atoms in this table, I can pass my hand right through this table with no problem. Our last clip is titled, Power of Prayer. Can we truly command the unseen elements of our reality to bend our will? Harnessing the as-above-so-below principle, Billy Carson compares modern prayer to ancient methods exploring humanity's power to shape reality through thought and action. What I'm saying is I'm commanding the elements of this third dimension to bend to my will. And that's exactly what you're trying to do in a regular prayer. People who are praying on their hands and knees or whatever method they're using to pray, they're trying to bend the elements to their will. They're trying to change their reality tunnel. But the method that they're using is flawed. That method is a method of begging and a method of hoping and wishing and everything else. All those are low frequency thought concepts. And those low frequencies have no power. None. That's why you can have trillions of prayers going up every day and the state of the world will never continue to become any better. The state of the world will decrease, not increase, just because of the, the, the lack of knowledge on how to pray. The intentions are good, but the technique is flawed. You can have all the intentions you want to get an A on a test and still not pass the test. A lot of people go to real estate school, and then they go to real estate school to take a real estate exam, 
and then they, they really want this real estate license, but they fail the test. They had all the intentions right, didn't they? They went to class every day, they did all the studying, they stayed up for hours and hours every single night. I gotta pass this test because my life is gonna change when I get this real estate license. And then they fail the test. Happens to a lot of real estate agents. A lot of them fail the test the first time, sometimes twice. But all the intentions are there. Same thing with prayer. All the intentions could be you really want to get this person to, you know, out of a situation. You really want your son to get better. You really want uh, this car payment made or whatever the case may be. Whatever, the, whatever you're trying to achieve. But if you don't know the right techniques, not going to happen. In order to really manifest reality using these principles, you have to understand quantum entanglement and understand that your brain literally has the capability, or these synapses in your brain have the capability of quantum entangling with the universal consciousness, which enable the law of attraction to work in your favor and things that you are trying to manifest falling to end up falling toward you. And a lot of things will come toward you, not the direct thing that you need to get or you, you're trying to manifest, but the link to getting that. And that's where intuition has to come in play. Because you need to have the intuition to understand that this opportunity will give me the ability to link up with the true manifestation of what I'm trying to achieve. And if I don't jump through this door or this window, that's never going to happen over there. That's a skill and technique that you have to learn how to develop over many years. And fortunately, you know, I've been pretty good at it. Am I 100%? No. I mean, then I would be an ascended master and I wouldn't even be talking to you right now. But I've done pretty good, at least in the areas I felt are important. I've done pretty good. There are some areas where I'm still lacking. I'm still learning just like every single person in here. If somebody tells you that they got it all figured out, they're making that up too. Nobody in here has got it all figured out. We're all in the process of learning and trying to excel. There's people in this room that are more adept in different areas of their life that I'm not as adept as them. They're, they're way more advanced to me in certain areas of their life. And there's people in here that I may be more adept at other things that they are, you know, I just, it's a balance. Everybody's got something to bring to the table. I promote the unification of the entire planet. I, I, now I will expose untruths. I will expose oppression and suppression. I will expose the fact that the playing field isn't level in certain areas and we need to bring that playing field up. I will expose police brutality and all these other things. But at the same time, the ultimate goal, the ultimate goal is to get people to understand that once we stop fighting each other, then we can really fight the real enemy. We're, too, we're spending too much time with all of this, not only within our race, even outside of our race. This is all we got going on. Politics, religion, all this other crazy stuff. And then <laughs> the real enemy, which is only 100 families <laughs> on the entire planet, you know, they control uh, 7.5 billion people and they're sitting back laughing at all the races while they run off with $700 trillion in wealth and all the power that they can ever want. They sit back and laugh at us because they set this system up for us to fail. They set the system up for us to attack one another. Okay? I mean, to be honest with you, this is amazing for me to see. The first time I came to the mission school, the diversity in this room is just, to, to me, truly, absolutely amazing. This is the second time I come back, same thing again. This is like a breath of fresh air. I get attacked a lot online, and these attacks normally come from a lot of minority people because in their mind, nobody's supposed to be able to get out here and do what I'm attempting to do. People are supposed to be oppressed and suppressed, and you're not supposed to be able to do these things. You know, and, and so there's a lot of people out there still locked down, but I'm starting to see there's a lot of people that aren't locked down. So this is like, dude, when I see this, I'm like, wow, this is absolutely amazing. We have every race and creed in this room right now. It's, it's incredible. 
absolutely incredible. And this is what we got to spread around the entire planet. There's beings out there that have a prime directive not to interact with us until we learn how to walk. Right now, we're barely crawling. We're trying, you know. You know when a baby rolls over on his stomach and holds its head up, it's like, wow, the baby can hold its head up now. That's where we are. We're holding up the head. That's all we're doing so far. I'm not going to lie to you. But everybody should be excited about that because that means progress is happening. Because not too long after the baby holds its head up, the baby starts getting up and trying to find ways to hold on to things and move its legs around and, you know, put some weight on the legs and see how, how far it can go before it falls down again. And then eventually the baby will start to walk. But when the baby starts to walk, the baby will fall. Guaranteed, the baby will fall. When you see that fall coming, even in people that you interact with on a daily basis, in their life on the micro scale, you see them trying to elevate and then fall. You can't let that deter you. You can't let that make you angry or feel like uh, they're a failure or you're a failure or you didn't, the message didn't get through. There's a process to learning how to run. And that process starts with crawling and then walking and falling and then eventually walking and then eventually trotting and falling and then eventually running and then falling and then eventually you become an Olympic athlete. There's a process to this. And that's the same thing if you apply as above, so below, just to that uh, allegory, you're going to find out that it's the same thing in, in life, in, you know, in, in real experience, in real life. So you have to understand that. That's how it's going to operate. That's how it's going to maneuver. It's going to be a process. And the best thing that I've found so far for me is now I've been able to level my physiology off. My physiology doesn't really change. And I used to get, uh, you know, somebody would make a negative comment or say something negative or send me a negative message or whatever. It used to make me palpitate for a second and get a little frustrated. Sometimes I used to respond back. Now I realize, why? Why am I responding to this archon? Because once you respond, you just gave them your power. They just siphoned you. They just ate energy from your body. They literally ate it. They utilized it because how? You transmitted the energy into a device which then traveled at the speed of light into their device, which then became a photon that bounced on their retina that they sent to the back of their brain and downloaded and got a very extremely happy feeling from it. That's how they ate your energy. You understand? They're eating your energy. That's what's happening out there. So when I realized that, I said, wow, don't respond. Never put anybody else's negative content on my account to complain that this person this, this person did that. Never give them a free shout out. When things happened in my life, I was able to then move that into my life. This is the learning process. Something negative or bad happens to me, I don't get all worked up on the inside where I'm sick and I'm depressed and I'm ill and I'm, oh my God, I can't believe, blah, 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 blah. That doesn't happen anymore. Now I see, okay, what procedure or process internally can I figure out myself that can correct the situation? What connections and plugs do I have to make this situation repair itself or become better or fix it? Or what can I learn from this situation? But my physiology, sweating and getting worried and nervous and panicking, it doesn't happen. It's gotten so good now that even if I get cut off in traffic and I have to swerve to get out of the way, making those split-second moves, I don't have that adrenaline palpitation rush. I'm still just as level as ever. I went and got a... Uh, 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 an exam. To, I had to get an exam for a life insurance policy because it was uh, you know a couple million dollar policy. 
So they make you take this uh, this test. So they come to your house in the morning because they want to get your standing heart rate. Then my standing heart rate was 51 beats a minute. I haven't played sports at a high level in a long time. I need to get back into you know to doing it, but it's been a long, long time. Um, and the heart, you know, 51 beats is like, are you even alive? <laughs> they so they then they have a procedure where they got to go back and do it again. So okay, no problems. Do it again. Did it again. 52 beats a minute. Then they have to do another thing where they come back after you've been moving around a little bit to take it then to see what you know your rate is at moving. Came back 59 beats a minute. That's control over your physiology. That's breathing control, diaphragmic breathing control. Understanding how to stay calm. The best thing you can do is stay calm in any situation because only by staying calm can you discern and understand and figure out what uh, techniques and tactics are needed to actually you know, better the situation for yourself or get out of it. Panicking and fear and all those things, that's in the same category as the standard religious prayer system. Nothing is going to happen in that, in that mind state. Only thing, only thing you're going to do is make things worse. And you're going to attract more negativity in those mind states. You must stay calm. A moment of anger will give you 40 days of sorrow. They did case studies. There was a person, a gentleman, unfortunately, that was struck by lightning at a baseball game. I think it was in Boston about maybe 30 years ago. But the cameras caught it. The leader strike coming out of the top of his head, leaping up to connect with the cloud. Why is this important? Because what I say comes out of your mind? Light. When you think, you send light out into the atmosphere, which then... It's a leader strike. If you want to take this same allegory, okay, comparison. That leader strike is coming out of your mind. That thought wave of light is coming out and it's jumping and connecting with the universal consciousness and making that direct connection. And that's how you're getting access to information in space-time. This is as above, so below. Whatever happens above is always happening below. You can see the fractal branching patterns in this, the same as a human lung. It's as above, so below. Everywhere you look in this entire universe, you're going to find out everything is as above, so below, from the largest scale to the smallest scale. If you look at the cover of the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, you see that he's holding in his hand what? A Merkaba, a star tetrahedron. Okay? Uh, very interesting. One of the things, and he's got the, um, the representation of the flower of life in the top. This also <clears throat> goes into the Kabbalah and Jewish religion, this symbol. A lot of people that are of the Jewish faith don't really understand uh, that it's not about the Star of David. They've lost the true meaning of this symbol. The symbol has nothing to do with David. <laughs> nothing at all. This symbol has to do with uh, something called the Metatron's Cube, which we're going to talk about. So Hermes Trismegistus is one of the greatest speakers on this topic. Master of all arts and sciences, perfect in all crafts, ruler of the three worlds, scribe of the gods, and keeper of the book of life. Thoth Hermes Trismegistus, the three times the greatest, the first intelligencer, was regarded by the ancient Egyptians as the embodiment of the universal mind, while in all probability there actually existed a great sage and educator by the name of Hermes. It is impossible to extricate the historical man from the mass of legendary accounts which attempt to basically discredit him. But the man was real. In my opinion, he was a real person. He's been everywhere. Many people have seen him. So that's uh, from Manly P. Hall. Uh, so Hermes states that his knowledge of the, the, these three parts and the reason why he basically received the name Trismegistus, or thrice great, which translates into aho, 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 
which means the greatest. Uh, as the um, story is told, the Emerald Tablets was found by Alexander the Great at Hebron in the tomb of Hermes, and this is an important reason why I'm bringing this up. But in this tomb, by the way, well, a lot of people always go, well, where's, you know, where's these people at, the people from the Bible that died? They're in, this, they're in these tombs here. Not all of them, but a lot of them are actually in this tomb at Hebron. And Hermes' last avatar body as Hermes was put there as well. So let me get into this creation according to Thoth because this is going to take us into the Merkaba. In the creation myth, we are introduced to astrology and the influence of the planets upon man from which man is expected to rise above. We have Dulis, a god of the heavens and one who's created on earth. We see the idea of man as a son or part of God. We have man being given the power of creation. You create your own reality. The idea that man is has a dual nature, one in heaven, non-material, soul or spirit, and one physical in the world of matter, the body, and in fall, leaving heaven to earth to be with nature. So if you think of this allegory as consciousness saying, I want to see what it's like to be a three-dimensional hominid. Let me send down my spirit energy and inhabit an avatar body. Creation according to Hermes. In the beginning, Noahs, which was also known as God, created a second Noahs, these are circles of spheres, who becomes a craftsman and creates the world. Noahs too creates seven powers in seven spheres around what will become the earth. The spheres have control over what will be the earth. They control what we know of as destiny. The, the seven spheres are the moon, sun, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. Here is the beginning of astrology. Noahs too sets the spheres in motion and life begins on earth. This is the allegorical uh, reference to the seed of life, which we're looking at right here, where we have these intersecting, seven intersecting circles uh, uh, around the, six intersecting circles, I'm sorry, around the seventh uh, circle, which create um, this pattern in life that basically is at the base of everybody's spine right now. From the moment that you were born through the, through the process of mitosis, these cells, these seven cells formed in the base of your spine. They form this actual geometric uh, figure, and they're actually still there. They never leave. They're still there in the base of your spine right now. Life is based off of geometry. This is a cross-section of DNA. And you can see here, this is really amazing because you see the sacred, ge sacred geometry in your DNA. It's built into you. So you have the beginnings of the Merkaba technology already built into your body. This is the flower of life uh, at the Osirian and Abydos. I was telling some of the uh, folks here earlier that, you know, one of my trips to Egypt... Um, the main reason why I went that time was to go to Abydos, and I almost didn't get there because they only fly on certain days when they have enough people. If they don't have enough people to go, they cancel the flight. It happens often. This particular time, they needed like two or three more people, and this one person I met on a Nile cruise was like, I'll book it, and he booked it, and they turned the flight back on, and we went out there. So I had a chance to go to this, this Abydos, and also outside of Abydos, right behind it is the Osirian Temple. And at the Osirian Temple... What do we have here? We have the flower of life atomically burned into the structure of this pillar here. As you might have uh, figured out by now, I am a fan of Billy Carson. He's somebody that I've just come across, but he has a depth of knowledge. And I want to spend this last few minutes of the show just telling you a little bit about him. What I'm going to read you comes from the About tab on his, um, his website. And the website is ForbiddenKnowledge.com. That's the number four, ForbiddenKnowledge.com. 
Okay, from the About tab. Billy Carson is the founder and CEO of Forbidden Knowledge, Inc., the best-selling author of the Compendium of the Emerald Tablets, and Woke Doesn't Mean Broke. He is also the winner of the 2022 Stellar Citizen Award. Not sure what that is. Mr. Carson is the founder and CEO of Forbidden Knowledge TV, a new conscious streaming TV network and the co-host of Biohack Your Best Life. He also is a writer and contributor to Rolling Stones and Entrepreneur magazines. Mr. Carson appreciates the dedication and hard work it takes to accomplish great things. Recently, he earned the Certificate of Science with an emphasis on neuroscience at MIT and has a certificate of a certificate in ancient civilization from Harvard University. Among his most notable achievements, Billy is the CEO of the first class space agency based in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Oh, just up the road. Specifically, his space agency is involved in research and development of alternative propulsion systems and zero-point energy devices, which is uh, very exciting. Um, he's been in innumerable films, The World's Biggest Mysteries, UFOs, UFOs, Knowledge of Ascension, What If, uh, Ancient Civilization, Beyond Belief, with George Numi, Numi, Nori, Life Beyond Our Existence, uh, Anunnaki Series, Deep Space, Baltic Sea Anomalies, uh, Countdown to Apocalypse. Oh, that sounds a little bit awful. But anyway, um, I highly recommend that you take a look at him. Listen, well, he's fun to look at. And um, listen to, 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 he's just fascinating. And he definitely is doing his research. And um, it's just a way of enriching our own understanding of what could be. Not necessarily what is, but what could be. And another version of reality that we might want to consider. So I do appreciate you, and um, be safe. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Radio 5G, a production of CosmicReality.com. Thank you for listening.